What's up, what's up, y'all? This is Dave. And this is Devin. And you're listening to the Dave and Dev Podcast. Dave and Dev. Gotta keep it real like Dave and Dev. On my job like Dave and Dev. Tell no lie like Dave and Dev. Some days I wanna stay in bed, but I get ready for the day ahead. I wanna complain, but I pray instead. Then I'm on my way to the Dave and Dev. And it go like, I don't need a crew. Don't play by he say, she say rules. Don't play, no, we can't do. I'd rather have faith while G-O-D make moves. So please stay cool. All, all I do is speak the truth on things I see they do. I'm a sinner myself. No lie, I need grace too. We lit like EKU. Yeah. What's up? Good morning, Devon. What's up? What's up, Dave? How you doing? Man, I'm good. Super pumped. This is the, the second podcast that we're recording this week, so I'm pretty pumped about that, man. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm excited to be giving the listeners something to be excited about, too. So this is this is a good... I, I'm excited about our guest today, too. Yeah, me too, man. Well, well, happy Saturday, May 23rd. I don't know about you, man, but I'm trying to get my hair cut in the next couple of days, so... That is the most exciting quarantine news that I have is that my head will be cut. Hey, won't he do it? (laughs) The Lord is good. Oh, man. Well, hey, listen, before we get started uh, into the podcast, we have a word from our spot. The Dave and Dev podcast is sponsored by Ascend Wood. Ascend Wood is sharing the gospel and God's word through their apparel and bracelets. A portion of every item helps fund their ministry partner in Haiti. For more information, you can go to their website at ascendwood.com or you can find them on social media at Ascend Wood. All right, Devon. Well, um, I'm going to let you uh, kick this one off and, and introduce our guest for the day. So, all right. Today we have Andy Owens. From Fellowship of Christian Athletes, um, I got a chance to meet Andy a couple years ago. Uh, spoke at FCA at Eastern Kentucky University. Um, Andy is the area director, or the area director and campus director. Is that right? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Of EKU and of that area, and so um, he's a great guy. He's got a lot of cool stories to tell. He's been around. He's been doing this for about twenty years now, and. Uh, very, very uh, faithful guy to his ministry, and so something that I can appreciate from him. But uh, Andy, you go ahead and uh, tell tell the people a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, you guys, it's rough uh, talking about your haircuts to a bald man. I don't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, uh, I'm uh, from over in uh, Beattyville, Kentucky. Uh, a little small town over near uh, Natural Bridge State Park over in that area. And uh, I grew up over there. My my parents run Youth Haven Bible Camp. So uh, between that and my dad also being a pastor, I grew up at camp and in church all the time. And uh, involved with sports at camp, church league basketball, uh, school school sports, all that stuff. Uh, but um, came to know Christ at a, at a real early age. Uh, Mom and dad, uh, you know, the old cl- 
cliche joke about having a drug problem where your, your parents drag you to church all the time. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, my, my dad was, was one, no matter how sick you're, you're going to go to church. So, uh, very thankful for my parents. But, I, uh, when I was, when I was uh, about 15, my dad started taking me up to Chicago every year to, uh, Moody Bible Institute does a big, uh, does a big, uh, um, conference each year called Founders Week and I started going to that and it sort of just got me excited about the city and ended up applying and, and going to Moody and uh, shortly after being there realized I did not want to be a pastor which is what, what my major was originally and got looking at what do they have to offer here that I'd like to do and uh, it's one of the few schools at that time that offered a sports ministry degree and I love sports started working at the gym there and so I had lots of opportunities to, to get involved in sports ministry there. Uh, assistant coach for the basketball team, uh, missions trips, doing uh, basketball camps to Egypt. Uh, did some stuff like that. And then eventually got hired by the school to run their athletic facility where I got to work with everything from intramural sports to varsity sports to uh, we did stuff with the NBA, the, um, their pre-draft camp, uh, U.S. soccer, lots of different other organizations. So just had a great time and ended up uh, working up there uh, for about five years. And so just really, really loved that. Got uh, started closing some doors there and saying, hey, I need you to go back to Kentucky. And I ended up in my hometown of Beattyville for about 11 years, helping start a uh, recreational center ministry over there. There's uh, not much for the students to do. Uh, small town, uh, two intersections that have stoplights. And uh, nearest malls, movies, bowling, anything like that's over an hour away. So we started a rec center that had uh, 10 lanes of bowling, a fitness center, and all kinds of other stuff that we would just bring in uh, the community and get them in the door to share the gospel with them and connect them to the local church. And uh, it, it was great. It, that ministry is still going today. But while I was doing it, I started uh, volunteering with FCA uh, probably about 2009 2010 somewhere in there doing uh, fca huddles in the local high school middle school and uh, just really loved it start taking kids to camp getting involved with uh, camp and uh, god once again starts shutting some doors and opening other doors and uh, my wife and i uh, we uh, decided god was calling us to to go into ministry with fca had a chance to uh, come on staff with them and uh my wife's background is that she was on staff with Campus Crusade for about eight years. Crew. And yeah. And so she, she had a heart for college kids. Uh, I'd worked at the college level before, love to get back into that. And FCA wanted to get uh, a huddle going at EKU again. And so uh, we, we jumped at that chance. Um, and it's, it's been a great that's four years ago. And we're loving it, covering about eight counties of. Uh, high school, middle, and even a couple elementary schools for FCA, and then about 50% of our time on campus at uh, EKU. So just, you know, love being able to be involved with sports and work with coaches and athletes and be there just to share the gospel. And so it's could, couldn't ask for a better position to, to be doing what I love and uh, finally really using what my degree was into. Yeah, that's awesome. So for, for the listeners who don't know what FCA is, can you explain to them a little bit about what that ministry is and what it's about? Yeah, FCA is a fellowship of Christian athletes. And uh, 
Uh, it's been around for a long time. Um, started in March of 1954. And what we do is we go into uh, the campuses and work with coaches and athletes. Uh, FCA's vision is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. And that's what we try to do is um, get coaches and athletes to use the platform that they've been given uh, to share the gospel with others, uh, to make disciples. Uh, we live in a country where sports, you know, is king and our sports heroes are elevated. And that's not even talking professional athletes. I mean, uh, your, your local athlete has a platform mm -hmm. and so we we want to get them to take advantage of the platform that god has given given them and use that to, to spread the gospel and so um it, it's exciting time for us right now uh, fca just launched a new initiative we're, we're getting ready to start going um, called e3 where we're going out and we're trying to work with coaches and athletes to engage them equip them and empower them with the gospel and just go full on into discipleship and see those coaches and athletes go out and reach their teams and their communities for Christ. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, so, that's really, really cool. Yeah. And it, I tell you, it's what's awesome about it too, is that uh, FCA has been around so long. We've really got just a open door with a lot of the schools. And so in uh, a lot of these communities that I, I work in the local pastors and youth pastors, they are not, they are not able to get into the public schools, but by partnering with FCA, we connect them uh, to speak with local uh, school huddles to serve as what we call a character coach, which is a team chaplain. In serving those roles, we are able to help give the local church an avenue into the public school that they normally mm -hmm. wouldn't have. That's pretty cool. So you, yeah. I mean, so you have, uh, you've been around all different types of athletes. Um, yeah. So, and I love how humble you say. You just say, "Man, I, I, yeah, I, used, I was around the NBA pre-draft camp for a little bit." It's like, mm -hmm. it's like, man, that's a that's a huge deal, man. So, uh, like, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about how it was to be to be like at the at those pre-draft camps? Like, what what was that like? Oh, it was great. Um, I loved it, and uh, it, it, what was good for me was uh, I, I grew up just a huge NBA fan. Um, you know, a child of the 90s was a huge Bulls fan. And one of the reasons I started looking at Moody was because my dad, uh, when he visited there to recruit kids to come work at our camp, he got to see different NBA teams practice there. And so he would come home and tell me about it and I'd be all excited. So I wanted to go there. So when I got there and got working at the gym and uh, my first job that I ever did was uh, I got hired working at the gym was because they needed extra help for the uh, WNBA pre-draft camp. And uh so Which is still cool. I, yeah, it was. And it opened the door for me because I, I was a big enough basketball fan that I knew the athletes. That's all. And so uh, I got, got, got in there when they saw that I, I knew who people were and didn't, you know, fangirl on them uh, <laughs> and freak out. Uh, that They started using me, especially I, I would work the main security door because um, at all these events, they give credentials out. But you've got some people that, they're not going to show those credentials, but you should know who they are anyways. Um, and so I, I did. So that, that really helped me get involved there. Uh, one of my buddies, we were working one time and uh, Jerry West started to come in the gym and uh, he, my buddy wasn't going to let him in. And I said, Mr. West, go on, go on in. And 
he's like, why'd you do that? He doesn't have a credential. You know, I got to point to the logo and I said, that's his credential. <laughs> he don't need a credential. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I just loved it. I got, got to work there first as a, you know, just a, a student, um, work, working, uh, security, cleaning, all that stuff to, uh, uh, eventually, um, working for the school and being the facilitator and, and running the draft camp that way. You know how fired you'd be if you didn't let Jerry West? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. You're out of there yeah. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it was, uh, it, it was, it was great. And, uh, I mean, what the way, the way the draft camp was set up back then was, uh, the first, we would start, um, we'd start on a, uh, Monday night and it would be all the athletes from Monday night through Thursday, um, that were just sort of, uh, mid-level, um, po- probably going to go mid to late first round or later, or possibly not even get drafted. They would bring in for the draft camp and, uh, they would, they would do all kinds of drills, uh, scrimmages every day running through all kinds of stuff all the way through um, Thursday. And then Friday was nothing but uh, scrimmages. And then uh, we would go to a big banquet on Friday nights at the hotel where everybody stayed um, and have and, and eat with the uh, players and athletes, but then get up early on Saturday morning and they would sneak in your lottery picks. Um, they didn't have to scrimmage or anything. They just needed to get their basic stats of how fast Show they could faces. run, jump, all that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where you got to meet the, the the guys that were, I mean, had already proven themselves in high school or college. So Man, that's yeah. awesome. You just say it's so chill. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's <laughs> great, man. Well, I definitely, you know, <laughs> I want you to expound a little bit more upon, um, you know, some of the stuff that maybe uh, you learned in that time that, you know, maybe through. Mm-hmm meeting elite athletes or, or, or being a part of those, those different opportunities shaped a little bit in, in terms of how you now have the opportunity to interact with athletes from, you know, a Christian basis from, you know, the, the FCA basis. I think the biggest thing that I learned is just, they are people just like anybody else. And you got to talk, talk to them like that. And when you don't freak out and, you know, treat them differently, you know, you, you get lots of opportunities to get to know people and talk to them. Um, and same thing, you know, like when we're on the college campus, these kids are just looking for people that, you know, care about them and, and treat, treat them well. Um, and, you know, especially with co- what we're doing with our college athletes right now is providing like a family environment. And so we re- really tried to do that at the, at the gym there in Chicago um, was provide that just, give them their space, talk to them, help them out, um, you know, build relationships that way. Uh, I, I know one of the things mm-hmm. we used to do was uh, when uh, Bill Self was at uh, Illinois, they had a they had a summer camp. It was just basically a round-robin tournament uh, at our gym for all the high, high schools in Chicago. And he would come, and there would be one or two players like D. Brown or somebody like that that he'd be there to scout. But because we treated him differently – coach self would if there was nobody wanting to uh, he was wanting to scout he'd come out to the front desk and, and watch tv with us <laughs> that's really cool yeah and so just getting opportunities to treat people that way um you know uh shane battier uh, would come in and practice at our gym some and, and go through shots and stuff and 
uh, I remember in the NBA pre-draft camp, one of the drills that they would do, they they would uh, get at the free throw line and run up one side of the key, sprint up, shuffle to the right, backpedal up the other side of the of the key, um, shuffle left, and then go through it in reverse. And uh, we were uh, – I got to know Shane, Shane pretty well, and he uh, – we're sitting there talking and um, you had several different guys go through it and just uh, sort of half-heartedly, half-heartedly did it that year. I believe there's a bunch of high school guys and uh, they just didn't have any effort. Then you see Battier go through it and just uh, totally, I mean, kill himself trying to get through the whole thing. And I'll I'll never forget with him uh, afterwards, I was talking to him. I said, man, you, you killed it compared to those other guys. And he's like, well, they don't understand. Mm. This is a job now. And so just, you know, just different interactions like that, that all came from just being able to get to know people and, and treat them. That's regular. awesome, man. So I, I, I know that there's a super high level of, of basketball competition in Chicago. And then obviously being there, you know, you said you were, mm-hmm. you were a child of the nineties and, and, and grew up watching those bulls teams. So uh, do you guys, do you get to interact at all with any of those, you know, bulls players and you know, I mean, we gotta we gotta ask if you if you got around MJ. You know, <laughs> I just gotta know. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's thing with our gym was most of the time um, it was the teams playing against uh, the okay. Bulls that came and practiced. Um, and at that time, really, the Bulls stunk. Was it so? Was you were you right? <laughs> out there? You were, so, but so, well, oh yeah, I was up there. I was up there when Elton Brand was there, and they got rid of him and uh, brought in a. Uh, I, I was there working the draft when they did uh, Eddie Curry oh, and Tyson Chandler, and <laughs> the rough years. guys. And so, <laughs> you know, you know, I got I got to see one year of Jay Williams before he decided to ride his motorcycle. So you, so you were the, um, the after party after the last. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you were yeah. at the uh, post prom. <laughs> but but what, <laughs> what 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 was cool though was uh, I was there when all the guys I grew up with were somehow mm. affiliated with different teams. Um, and so like, I got to meet Pippen when he was with the Blazers, um, got to, uh, um, got, you know, Barkley and, and all them were with the Rockets at that time. And, uh, so got to see some different ones, you know, not the way you think of them in your mind, but still got to see them. And then, uh, Jordan was with the Wizards and at that time. And so like at one draft camp, we snuck him in the, in the back door, um, and, uh, I had one of my uh, one of the guys that was working for me um, as a janitor at the draft camp. He held the door open as Jordan was coming in. Jordan threw down a stogie, and so he literally, as soon as Jordan got around the camp corner, picked up the the last part of his cigar uh, and put it in a bag. That's kind of creepy, but that's cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So he he could say he had Jordan's cigar, um, but then uh, you know Jordan. Uh, we snuck him in the back door, got him upstairs on the on the walking track where he could look down and watch all the scrimmages in the in the draft camp and, and you know be away from everybody. But you know, I got about three feet from him. He looked at me, I looked at him, I waved, he gave me a head nod, and you know we've been best <laughs> friends ever since. And that's so. why you and uh, that's yeah. why you, you guys are both got the same hairstyles. Now. Oh you my goodness, y'all got exactly, the same exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. That's really cool. Oh um, man. So yeah. speaking of Jordan, uh, and mm-hmm. I know you. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this title. So you are a Michael Jordan apologist. Uh, oh, uh, so you told me you told me uh, 
one time when in one of our conversations that you had written a paper about Michael Jordan. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. In, uh, in Bible college, uh, we had an English class where we had to uh, write a research paper to de- defend a position. And uh, so, you know, I, I'm in, at this Christian school and there's some serious subjects <laughs> going on. Uh, you know, one person ri- writing a report on, you know, why the American Revolution may not have been biblical. Uh, other people writing stuff on abortion, all these things like that. These, I mean, serious subjects, theological subjects, and I get up to defend my position, which was why Michael Jordan was the greatest <laughs> basketball player ever. And, um, but the teacher was good. I uh, got a g- great grade on it because I had like a forty-page paper with over a hundred sources cited and more research and visual aids and everything else than That's anybody amazing. else in the class. So, so in your mind, there's, yeah. there's no doubt that Michael Jordan is still the greatest player of all time. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I think this documentary only confirms, I mean, you can compare all the stats and all that. And I, I know there's some stats that he's going to start losing pretty soon just because uh, he didn't put in the years um, with with the retirements and stuff that some of the other yeah. guys did. Uh, but you just look at the competitive nature. Nobody will ever be able to accuse him of quitting um, at, at any point. And just the drive, I, I think without a doubt, he's the best. So- so speaking of the documentary, uh, what was mm-hmm. like some of the best moments that you had uh, that you that you watched during the documentary? Uh, I, I think for me, m- most of it was just sort of I could remember where I was for most of those events. Um, you know, one of the best days of my life as a kid was when my parents finally broke down and paid for cable and I got WG in to watch uh, Bulls yeah. games. And uh and so, uh, you know, I, I can remember where I was for all those games and stuff. So that was good. Uh, um, probably the two biggest things, though, that hit me was uh, that episode seven right at the end where he's sort of counting the cost of what it mm-hmm. took to be that competitive and play that mm-hmm. level. And uh, um, I was listening to it, another podcast this week and uh, they were talking about it. And I have to agree with what the guy said on there. It's just it's like it hits him at that moment, exactly some of the stuff that he gave up yeah. with friendships and relationships mm. to get to that level. And uh, so, I mean, w- when he said, when he asked for a break, I, I was ready for him. To I mean, it, it was intense. Uh, so, so I love that. And then, uh, you know, just on a personal level this last week, uh, um, I, I'm going through a situation right now where uh, my father's in the hospital, had a stroke last week. And so just a lot of stuff going on there, just, you know, not able to go, be with him because of the COVID-19 stuff but um, you know I'm watching the last few episodes of that of the last dance and remembering all the stuff that's going on with my dad and how we Mm. used to watch the Bulls games together and then all of a sudden um, they launch into that whole section talking about Sinker and Jordan's fathers and I'm like wrong time for this (laughs) and uh, uh, so I mean those were probably the two biggest things that hit me the hardest but overall I loved it I mean just getting to see the different things, um, you know, some of it just from what I remember watching on TV, other things, you know, like where they talk about none of the guys like in Isaiah. Um, yeah. I saw that first, I saw that firsthand. Um, he, at the draft camps and all that, that, that was when I was there was when he was with Toronto and New York and those teams and as an executive and other guys didn't really That's have much so wild. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Even like seeing that, like on the documentary, it's like 
it seemed like Jordan was still like upset Jordan about Patty. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like the, you know, the the whole dream team thing that they talked about with all that. Jordan, he he swears he didn't keep him off the dream team, and I don't think he ever probably voiced it. But they knew that they wouldn't get him if they had him. Yeah. On on the dream team, and but he'd already ticked off. Uh, you know. Uh, Pippin and Magic and Larry and all the other right. big names too. So, I mean, they, they had sure. to make that choice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> first, we'll be Absolutely. praying for your dad. Uh, oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. That whole situation. Um, but I, I did want to. Uh, you, you mentioned counting the cost. Uh, you saw that yeah. Michael Jordan. Like I mentioned in our last podcast, that it, that we were watching Ecclesiastes chapter one just happen right in front of us. It's like the vanity of vanities. Yeah. Like this guy has lost everything, and so I mean, even even to this day, I mean, some of the things that I saw in the documentary. It was a great documentary, by the way. But mm-hmm. some of the things that I saw was that he lost friendships. He, he it doesn't it doesn't look like he had communication with his teammates a lot. His family yeah. wasn't really involved in it, and uh, I mean, it, even still to this day, he still holds bitterness to some of the rivalries in the '90s. Mm. Um, could you go a little bit? Could you talk a little bit about that a little bit more? Like how? I mean, how? Like being an athlete, that sometimes you can make your sport your idol. Yeah, and I no, I definitely see see that with him. I, like I said, I you know I, I've always been a huge fan. Um, love Michael Jordan from the time I had the come fly with me videos and airtime and yeah. all that. Um, but when you look at him, I mean, he's a guy that has sacrificed relationship um, and to a detriment sometimes. It's one of the most painful things, and they didn't really show anything of this in, in the last dance. But have you all ever seen his uh, Hall of Fame induction speech? Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah, it was, it's, it's basically the equivalent to like a '90s rap <laughs> disc record. <laughs> oh he yeah, yeah. I mean he 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 brought back the kid that beat him out for the high school JV team um, to his graduation just to talk about how you know that motivated him and all this other stuff. And I mean, just all these things, and you know, you saw in the documentary over and over, even creating grudges and all that. And while that fueled his greatness on the court, I mean, it came at a cost. You know, I think, you know, one of the things I always tell our student athletes and, uh, when we talk with them is we mm. weren't created to do life alone. Uh, we were cre- we were created for community, first community with God and then community with others. When we look in Genesis, um, the only thing that wasn't good was that man was alone. And, you know, a lot of a lot of people take that to when you when you read that verse about you know it wasn't good that man was alone they take it to be something about marriage which which it is you know god creating woman for man but it also is talking about you know god creates for community and so he didn't mean for us to do this life alone and um you see somebody like that that they've become so isolated that the friendships aren't there um you know just even one of the saddest moments for me in the whole documentary i think there was a I forget who it was. Maybe Scotty Burrell was asking him for tickets, and um, and he said he, Jordan gave him some tickets to get some family members in the game, and he said something like, uh, "Thank God for these tickets." Yep. And he goes, "You just did." Hmm. And uh, I mean, just you know, we see this all, all over in sports is when 
athletes are treated like they're God, they 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 forget that they need God. And uh, Ooh, Rick, you, know, you that say that one more time. When when athletes are treated like God, mm. they they forget they need God. And uh, yeah. I mean that's with that's with anything with fame, you know, not just athletics, but you know you, you definitely see that in that video is, you know, as much as I love Michael Jordan, he's he's somebody who needs God. Um, those voids, that anger, and uh, that that uh, um, grudges and all that, you know, there's a, there's a void there that only God's going to ever be able Man. to in life. Preaching. Yeah, that's two episodes <laughs> in a row. You, the, 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 they take yeah, absolutely. Day. Andy, you know, I, I definitely appreciate you, you know, bringing that, that side of things too. I think it's uh, really important that as believers, we can acknowledge that like, Hey, I, I like, I respect, like, I think this is, this athlete is the greatest of all time, et cetera, et cetera. But like, we got to acknowledge that like, mm-hmm. he's, he needs Jesus just like me and you. And, and and it's no oh, yeah. different. And I love that you you are a part of oh, and, and you lead a ministry that like gears towards people that have a tendency to be put on top of these these mountains, these these pedestals of greatness, you know, even at EKU, like Devon, you played there, like in the community at Richmond, like like people loved you. Like people loved the 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 athletes, the quarterbacks, the the best basketball player, the best baseball player, and like when when there's ministries out there that we that can impact those athletes and help them see like look like you may be treated like a god, but you are not. In fact, you need God <laughs> like you mm-hmm. like one hundred percent. So I I appreciate that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. I, I encourage everybody though. Uh, what whatever level that athlete is that you look up for, you know. Remember, mm-hmm. there's somebody that needs Jesus to pray for him. Mm. You, you know, when I was growing up in Fayetteville, Kentucky, I never thought for a second I was ever going to get to work with any NBA athletes. Um, and uh, you know, um, God gave me that opportunity, and so you know, be praying that God gives you, you know, first of all, that mm. gives that person the opportunity to hear the gospel but then pray that you get an opportunity to share it, whether it's with them or somebody sure. else. That's awesome. Were you ever able to share the gospel with any like professional athletes? Um, I, I've got, it was interesting because we were under a, an interesting situation at the gym because we were at, you know, Bible college and all that. And so what we were able to do was I never got, you know, sit down and walk somebody through, you know, the gospel for spiritual laws, anything like that. Um, but what I got the opportunity to do was they were to ask me why I was there. And so I would, got to walk them through the gospel on um, some different ones that way, just talking to them about it. Um, and, you know, why I was there, why I was going to school for sports ministry, what's sports ministry. And, you know, from that angle, I got to do it with several. Um, also got to have, uh, you know, several gospel conversations with uh, mm. um athletes that were believers um you, you all uh, remember uh bryce drew who uh yeah the uh the shot for Val- yeah, Valper yeah, yeah. in the tournament and uh you know went on coach vandy and i think now he just got hired out grand canyon you know he was a he's a believer and come into the gym and work out and so be able to you know just talk to him about his faith and him asking questions about you know what was going on at this school there and stuff and so 
you, you had different opportunities to see the way God was using, um, using that. Another time when I was there, we partnered with FCA and were able to sneak um, some uh, NBA New Testaments uh, in and put them in the lockers of every player at the draft camp that year. Now, some of the, stu- some of the players took them, some of them left them. Um, but they had these uh, FCA NBA New Testaments that uh, had, uh, you know, testimonies from various athletes that were in the NBA uh, in, in the New Testament. And uh, so had some different opportunities to do stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, just the, the working relationship weren't able to out, outright evangelize. For sure, but I think some of those like just interpersonal interactions are probably mm-hmm. equally as impactful as being able to, stand in front of everybody and talk about something that maybe no one's even listening to, you know, but when you can have those like, you know, interactions like that. Oh, yeah. uh, so getting back to the last dance a little bit, was there anything that um, surprised you about it? Like anything that, that caught you off guard in terms of maybe something you didn't know or were aware of around that time? Um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, back to the one thing I said earlier, the whole story about uh, Steve Kerr's dad, I had read somewhere that his dad had been assassinated, right? But I didn't know the story behind it, and so so that was interesting, um, you know. And so I that that uh, that from a standpoint of something I didn't know that was one of the things, and even just some of the stuff with Scotty Pippen's history of his uh, having a dad and a brother um, who were in wheelchairs and disabled all at the same time. Didn't know all that, so those things those things. Uh, you know, hit me. Uh, you know, one of the jokes when I was in Chicago was, uh, um, whereas Jordan is beloved, uh, the joke is up there if everybody calls uh, Scotty Pippen no tipping Pippen because he won't tip any any server or valet or anything like that. And uh, when you see all the whining <laughs> about the contract and all that, you sort of, oh, okay, so he's like this and everything. <laughs> so, so, so that made a little more sense. Um, you know, and then, uh, I guess the things that surprised me though, were like, uh, to, uh, as much details, they went into different things, the 92 finals against the Blazers. And then even the last two finals against the jazz, they really didn't go into detail on those as far as interviewing, um, interviewing athletes from those, uh, from those teams. I know like, uh, Drexler, I got to meet him a couple of times. He's, he's just a really good guy to talk to. And so I, I was surprised they didn't have him on there. And then even, uh, with the jazz, um, you know, I, I like John Stockton, but he's, he's about as interesting as watching uh, paint dry. So I don't know why they didn't bring in, you know, some of the other guys from the jazz to interview as well. I know I would have really liked to have seen Carl Malone. I actually saw an interview with him yesterday and it was not Mm -hmm. regarding the last dance, but it was just really interesting. I I think it would have been a cool point because of how they were like fought back and forth, you know, for, for two, two finals. Yeah, and, and so I, I those those were those were two things I'd like to see was just more detail on that because, you know, it seemed like those two years with the with the Jazz and the one year with the Blazers yeah, were just I agree. really quick. I, I wonder if they didn't interview anybody from the Blazers because of like what how MJ said that about uh, Clyde going after him or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they between that and what he did to him in the. Uh, 
practices for the dream team. I mean, <laughs> I think he, he should have sort of messed with his confidence. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about that too. It's funny because on the uh, on the podcast that we just released, we talked about Ewing a little bit. You know, I I I remember growing up and my stepdad always like not liking Ewing. Um, he always would say he was like a, a crybaby and stuff like that. And, but, yeah. you know, I, I really didn't get to watch a whole lot of him. And so it was funny. I was asked, like, well, one of my favorite parts about the show was watching Ewing get dunked on repeatedly. Um, I Like, I just found it so funny. I remember my wife being oh, like, yeah. why is that so funny to you? Like, what's so funny? I was like, it's just hilarious watching the biggest guy on the court <laughs> get just – Postered repeatedly, like Pippen made Ewing on posters oh. repeatedly. So, well, and then you've heard of a uh, Bill Simmons theory. No, what's that? Uh, well, Ewing had all these years where he just struggled and couldn't couldn't perform and all that. And the closest that really that the Knicks ever got to winning was uh, in '99 when uh, when Ewing went out injured. The team rose and did better than they were supposed to. So he's got this Ewing theory for all these sports about where the team, when a, a player that's supposedly the star goes down and they do better without him. And so he, he, he does a whole thing with uh, everything from like the Patriots losing uh, Bledsoe and, and going on and winning with Brady and just all across sports. Anytime a team does that's better really interesting. Star, theory. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple other in mind. Like, there's actually that, makes sense. Yeah. That actually may be a little. Yeah, yeah, they may actually be a better team without their star. So <laughs> that's awesome. So, but well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. Uh, who okay. who was the the best athlete that you saw in the pre draft camps? Pre draft camps. Um, now, as far as as far as just getting to me, um, you know, I, pretty much everybody from the two thousand to uh, up through the 2005 draft camp um i got to meet in in some way or another and so like your lottery picks i, I didn't really get to see them play as much um i'm trying to think of the guy's name he was ah oh, he was from oregon and uh played for the pacers uh fred uh huh. can't think of the guy's name but anyway it's fr- fred something um but he he threw down one of the nastiest dunks I've ever seen. Um, he was coming in from the right side and they threw a lob way too far over on the left side. And somehow he still managed to go up way past the rim over to the left side of the basket, catch it and turn around. About and Fred, dunk Jones. It. Fred Jones. Yeah. Fred Jones. And <laughs> all I, mean, he could do was dunk. I, I know, but I mean, it was to see that in person. I was I just happened to be uh, wiping sweat underneath the basket when he did it. And I'm like, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um, you know, and so there's, you know, I got to see that uh, at the draft camp. One of the other things I got to see that's just amazing um, was uh, we also, uh, um, the Adidas used to host a high school all-star game when, uh, when uh, Sonny Vaccaro, um, the the shoe guy was uh, working with Adidas and they were trying to recruit LeBron. And so we, we had a high school all-star game the year uh, LeBron was a senior and uh, they practiced at our gym before going and doing the main all-star game over at the United center. So I got to watch LeBron practice and all that, but they gave us courtside seats at the United center for, for, for working that. And uh, I literally watched LeBron get her a rebound 
and make a full court one bounce pass to a guy cutting on the other end. Um, we've just never yeah. seen a pass. That's like that awesome. Before. Wow. And so, you know, so th- those were, you know, those were, uh, those were probably two of the best plays that I ever got to see. But I mean, you know, just, just some of the other stuff, uh, uh, you know, get, getting to watch different ones. Probably the coolest thing I ever got to see was uh, we used to have this group that would come into the gym. Um, it was a local organization that worked with inner city kids uh, to, uh, to they, they did uh, gymnastics and tumbling, um, trying to get them off the streets, give them something to do. But uh, we had this one little girl who always came in for that. I mean, you could just tell she had a rough home life. Um, everything she always looked dirty um but she always came in she had a trapper keeper she always came in inside the the lining of the trapper keeper she had all kinds of Allen Iverson hmm. stuff and so she came in the gym one day and the they're in there and she's freaking out just that the Sixers are in there and all that but Iverson ha- had already gone back out to the bus by the time she got there and so she, she was all sad uh, Larry Brown came out and saw her holding her thing and oh, uh, dude, that's he took awesome. her out and I put her on the bus. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And so that, that, that was probably one of the coolest, you know, non-actual on the court things I ever saw was that. And so, but yeah. So yeah, it, it, it was great. I, 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 I miss it, but you know, uh, it's one of those things I always prayed that God would get me back into, uh, into at least college athletics on some level. And so it's, it's been great now being back with FCA that, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit back in that world. And man, really well, that's awesome. It. Andy, I, I definitely appreciate those, those stories and those insights. It's, it's been really, really cool to kind of, you know, hear a little bit about you, learn about you, uh, super exciting stuff, man. Well, I'm glad you're in Richmond. <laughs> um, I spent seven years in Richmond, you know, going to EKU, graduating from there and then, you know, started my family there, and I've moved a couple of times since then. But uh, there's always a place for there in my heart, for sure. So I'm glad you're there, impacting athletes and and uh, people across the city, awesome. and I'm sure across the state, and and as a director. So uh, that's awesome, man. Thank you, thank you all for the opportunity to come on here and talk. Yeah. <laughs> Us too. I, I, I love I love talking Andy. basketball. So. Yeah, Andy, you're welcome <laughs> on here anytime. Yeah, anytime uh, you talk, want, man. You can be on. You can be on the Dave and Dev podcast. <laughs> Sounds good. Just yeah, let me any, know. Anytime you got any more, <laughs> any more draft stories, man, just just let us know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, thank you so much for being on the on the Dave and Dev podcast. Until next time. Awesome. Thank Peace. you so much All for right, having me. See you.